So let's learn a little bit Shvive um, Lev from Rebellion Lapian. We had the Schus this Shabbos, Friday night, uh, a Bachar by the last name of Lapian, or Lapian or something. He came to, uh, uh, to Yeshiva and uh, I asked him if he's related to Rebellion Lapian. He said, yeah, it's his great grandfather or something. And they said, you know, we give a, we give a, a vad. He said, of course, I listen to it every week online. He says, I love it. So it's a big schos to have Rebellion Lapian's great-grandson listening to us talking about Rebellion Lapian. In any event, let us see what uh, Rebellion says about the Shiraz Hayam. I know we're not quite up to there, but we're entering into the world of of. Golos and Geula, like the Ramban calls Sefer Shemais, and I just caught uh, a beautiful vart from Rebellion Lapian, so I just decided to go for it. B'shiras Hayam, Ksiv Meikara Bayavayu Bnei Yisrael B'seich Hayam Bayabasha. That Bnei Yisrael, in one pasuk it says, they came into the Yam Bayabasha, on dry land. They entered the sea on dry land, First it says that they were they were in the water, and then it says that they were on the Abasha. But after that, if you look a couple of Pesachim later, it says, or maybe a Pesach later, it says, that Klai Yisrael went in the Abasha. So which one is it? Did they go... Did they go in the water on the dry land, or did they go on the dry land in the water? Why is the Pasuk changing uh, the order? The first Pasuk is talking about Shevi Yehuda and Binyamin. They, we know, jumped into the sea and they came until their necks. Right? The Gemara Starshans, I think, in Saita, that that he was mamish about to drown, the, the water was coming up to his neck, and then Hakarishbarhu saved him, he made the sea split. But that was Yehuda and Binyamin. Those two Shvatim were the ones that jumped in first. Then it became the Abasha. So that's when it says, and then by Abasha, that's a reference to Shevet Yehuda and Binyamin. For them, they first jumped into the Yam, and then it became the Abasha. However, they were talking about Bnei Yisrael, that they dilly-dallied, they waited around, they wanted to make sure that everything was good before they went and jumped in. And they only came in once everything was nice and dry and the land was, uh, you know, it was already, it was already split. It became Yabasha. Those people, they just went in on the dry land. Once everything was, you know, the red carpet was already rolled out and they walked on dry land. So that's the way that Rebellion Lapian wants to touch up 
the, the differences in these two psukim. In one pasuk it says that they went b'seich hayam b'yabasha. The other one it says b'yabasha b'seich hayam. And we're darshing, it all depends who it's talking about. When it comes to Shevet Yehuda and Binyamin, they were the ones that jumped in first, Nachshim and Ami Nadav, and his Shevet, and Shevet Binyamin. So because of that, that's a tremendous chus. They jumped, Hayam, and then it turned into Yabasha. The other Shvatim were waiting around, and they wanted to first let everything be perfect, and only then were they able to go, Hayam. Besech by Abasha, first they waited for the land to be dry, and then they went in Besech Hayam. It was already Besech Hayam. Al Pizem Muva and Gamkin Shepazarishan Kasava Maimlam Chaima, Chaima Malevav. The first time it says Vamaimlam Chaima, that's with a Vav. Vipasagashenik Sivamaimlam Chaima, without a Vav. It's Chaima, but it's without a Vav. It's spelled Chaima, Lashan Kas. Chaima is anger. Tahainu Shahaya. Aleim Charein Af, Hakadosh Baruch was angry against them. Well, why was he so mad? What was what was the problem? According to what we're saying, says Rebbeia, that it's going on the the second wave. Pardon the pun of Klal Yisrael of Yidden that came in only after, only after uh, the Yehuda and Binyamin bravely, courageously jumped in, and now. Everything was set before them perfectly. So then, Hakadosh Baruch Hu had tainus on on the rest of Klai Yisrael that you didn't you didn't go and jump in first. There's a tremendous musar that I want to take from this, and then I want to tell you another pshat that's also very powerful, also describing involving these two uh, the discrepancy in these two psukim. So what we get from Rebbe Zvart is that. Many times in life, we lose out on opportunities because we're afraid of making of taking a plunge into something, and we want everything to be nice and safe, and we don't want to take any chances. We want everything to be you know everything to be perfectly set before we go there, and. That is a mahalach. There are many people in life that are risk averse and they just want to do everything, you know, with that. They don't want to take any chances. They don't want to take any risks. They don't want to be pioneers. They don't want to do anything that would, you know, be, be any, in any which way considered risky. But generally speaking, the leaders in Kla Yisrael, leaders in general, really, but leaders in Kla Yisrael, uh, they're not people that are are just waiting, you know, putting their finger up in the air and, and you know, seeing, uh, you know, what which way the wind is blowing. A, a, a leader in Klai Yisrael has to see something and decide that this is what I want to do. And, and sometimes it's risky. Sometimes it, uh, you know, it's radical or it seems radical. But if this is what you feel is important to do, then you do it. If you see something that... that is necessary to be built, or a, a service necessary to be provided, then, yeah, no one else is doing it, and maybe it's a risk, and maybe, you know, you're, it's going to fail. But in life, sometimes you have to risk failure in order to succeed. If you're waiting for somebody else to do it first, then, then that's not a leader. A leader is not somebody that waits to follow uh, other people. A leader is somebody that you want to be the first to do something, and 
yeah, it, sometimes let's say, um, you know, you want to start a new community. You see like that there's a, an opportunity to get some people together, start a new community. And, you know, not everybody wants to be a pioneer. But when you're a pioneer, you're the ones that are building community. Like wherever any of these new, any of these communities at one point involved people that took a chance and took a risk and, and, and started building and buying houses and making a shul and a mikvah. And it's not easy to be a pioneer. And you always, you never know, like maybe nobody's going to follow you. But those are the people that have the credit for being, for taking initiatives and being a leader and doing something where nobody else thought it was possible or saw, saw possibilities, and you did. And, and that's why those people go down in history as being, as being builders and, and, and creators and, you know, whether it's Rosh Hashivas, whether it's starting a, every school that we ever went to in our lives were started by a few brave people that risked a lot, but they saw that there was a need for this day school or this high school or this base medrash or, and, and they said, we're going to do it. And, uh, and they did it. And because of that, history looks nice, looks kindly. And there's a lot of people that were very nervous to do anything with their life because they didn't want to risk their capital their, or risk their reputation. And nobody knows who they are today. There are people that, you know, you walk through the cemetery, there's probably a lot of people that thought maybe about doing good ideas, but they never really did it because they were, they were scared. And so these are, this is sometimes, there are people that want to go they're not afraid to go jump into the water and then eventually will be dry land and people think, of course he did it. No, it wasn't of course. It was a very big risk, but they did it. And then there are people that, you know, are waiting for everything to be biabasha. I want everything to be on dry land and which turned into dry land from the sea, but it already it was dry for me. The, the road was already paved for me. You know, I... I I, I work a lot for Arts Girl. I do a lot of uh, books for them and projects with them. And, um, and I always thought to myself for many years, I was like, I was like jealous of Rabbi Zlatowicz all of Shalom because like it's like a schmack of business. You know, you get to be in Klikaidish. You're, you're being marbitz tire every, you walk into any shul in the world, any base medrash, and you see your sitter and your chumash and your gemaras and your mishnayas and whatever, and you're tremendous, tremendous about and it's it involves you know it's it's a good business I think they're making a lot of money and they're it's creativity and you have a whole team and all you know it's a geschäft it's a big business but it's a tire business and I was always like Makanim, you know that you know I could do this I, I could I could have been me if I was if I lived you know if I lived forty years ago you know when he was starting it fifty years ago whatever I could have just easily done it and I just you know he beat me to it and then his biography came out. It's a great biography. It's called uh, Mayor Zlatowicz, very good title. Um, but um, and the, and I read the biography. It's a very if you're if you want something to read over Ben Esmanim, you know it's something that I would recommend reading. It's a very good book, um, very interesting life story. And there I read something that like I was shocked. Like it wasn't always such a lucrative business, and in fact there were times that they were so in debt, like they had to pay all of their staff and their, the mortgage on their building. And, you know, they were literally drowning. You talk about, you know, Nashim and like literally drowning in debt to the degree that both him and Rabbi Sherman, who was his shutuf, sort of, 
um, they both mortgaged their homes to keep the business afloat. I don't know if you understand what that means. You own a home, everything is good, let's say it's all paid off, and now you're taking out a big mortgage. You go to the bank, and the bank lends you money against your house, which means if you can't pay back the bank, they take your house away, but you're, you're, you're left homeless, pretty much. And they did that because they had such confidence in the business and, you know, it got them through the hard times and then eventually, you know, the business took off and the rest is history. When I read that, I, I saw that I, I'm not Rabbi Zlodowitz. I mean, for many reasons, I'm not Rabbi Zlodowitz, but like, but if for no other reason than that, I couldn't have started art school because I know myself, I would not have the guts to, you know, to start a business that's not, you know, that's that, that with debt and then you know, to mortgage my house and like to give up my a roof over my head for any business, I wouldn't be able to do it. But he's Rabbi Zlatowicz. He goes down in history as being Rabbi Zlatowicz. He started art school. Didn't come like naturally. He had a great idea and it just exploded. You know, he got, you know, he, he did some, you know, uh, what do you call that when you go on online, like crowdfunding? What do you, uh, what do you call that thing? Anyway, he didn't just start a crowdfunder campaign and just make... He, he, he literally risked everything that he owned and then some because he believed in the cause and he, he was a national He jumped in. He went to Seichayam and eventually turned into Yabasha, but it wasn't always so clear that it was going to be Yabasha. It could have been... He could have drowned. He could have gone down in history as being, you know, a failure, but he was able to, Baruch Hashem, succeed. But I'm saying that that is what... Um, separates people in life when they want to be real leaders versus people that are just followers. Nothing wrong with being a follower. If you're not able, you know, to lead, then it's okay to be a follower. But if you want to start something new and build something big with your life, whatever it may be, you have to jump in. You have to be able to risk. And you know something? It doesn't have to be something grand. It could be just something as 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 routine as as getting married. Marriage is also like a risk, right? So, but, you know, if, you, if you're willing to, that's why they say, you know, it's kashri kriyas yamza, the shidduch is like, because it involves, you have to be able to risk something. You have to, you have to jump in and, and marry somebody. There is risk involved. You don't know who this girl is, right? You may, meet her a couple of times or more than a couple of times. You don't know, you know, anything about her, anything about her family, as much as you're able to find that from references, but, you know, they don't always tell the truth. So you don't really, but you have to take, yeah, at one point you have to say, okay, I think I know her. I think she's a great person and, and just take the jump and she's going to do that with you also. But if you're not able to like jump in and take risks in life, then it'll be safe. It's much safer to, to not take the jump and to just like watch everyone else jump in and you wait until the conditions are, are perfect. But very often the conditions don't get perfect. And that's why you see a lot of people, unfortunately, that, you know, they get older and older and they don't get married because uh, they're waiting for everything to be perfect. And that's not the way life is. Life involves taking risks. You have to be and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes the sea eventually go dry and, and you're able to flourish from it. But like, but if but don't always wait. It's not always good to wait until there's perfect dry land. Sometimes you'll be getting throughout your life opportunities to start something, to invest in a business, and to you know, or, or whatever it might be, to start a new shul, to start a new yeshiva, to start a base Yaakov, or a, whatever it might be. And you might say, I don't know, it's a risk. Maybe this is going to be. But sometimes you have to risk it. You have to jump in and just do it. 
and let Hashem show you the way. This building that we're, that we're learning in tonight is really the best edus about what I'm saying. Dr. Lando Vashalom um, had this dream to build Lander College for Men. He built a lot of other places, Turo, you know, in, in all the countries in the world, and, you know, but he always really wanted to build a building like this, with the yeshiva like this, that learning half a day, work, you know, college half a day, and and with top-notch rabbeim, like the best mashkiach in the world. This was his dream. And, uh, but, and then this piece of land, I remember years ago, this was like a boarded up square block in Queens. It was, it was completely boarded up. Uh, it was a swamp. It was literally, you know, you're talking about swamp, and you think I'm, I'm it, it was a swamp. They didn't think that anything could ever be built on this land. I, I think Chavetz Chaim might have bought it first. They didn't know what to do with it. They got ark. No one, no one knew how you're going to build anything. Everything that you build is just going to sink into the ground. Dr. Lander was a genius, and he got new architects in, and he, they figured out a way to do it and to, to sort of like pump out the moisture from the, from the ground enough to build on, on it. And he, he shot, they shot like these big, uh, like beams, metal beams, like deep into the ground. People that live in the neighborhood, you know, back 25 years ago when they were building this place, say that they were woken up like in the morning from these, it's like a tremendous boom, like a sonic boom to get these things drilled as deep into the ground as possible. And he bought this land for like not so much money, but he borrowed from the uh, from the city or something uh, like crazy. I mean, he took out by floated bonds for like, Twenty, forty million dollars. Anyway, Turo. If you speak to people on the board in Turo, they'll tell you that they literally cannot wrestle Dr. Lander, like almost physically, to get him to not do this. They thought this was going to be the end of Turo because it didn't make sense financially. You're investing forty million dollars. Who's going to come? You know, there is already competition, a hundred-year-old competition that's going to. You know, they'll they'll destroy us. There's no. They have history. They have better you're not going to succeed. And, you know, everyone's doing everything already. What are you going to, what are you going to do? And he persisted and, and PS, you know, here we are, you know, 23, 25 years later and, and it's a beautiful building. He ended up selling uh, the land over there, you know, the Opal where the Opal was built. That was another Shetach of this property. He sold that. Once they saw you could build on it on the swampland, they bought it. I think he made back all the money that he had spent on Lander. I think he made selling that little, you know, parcel of land where it's not so little, but where the Opal is, which is maybe a quarter of this whole property. He had Siat Dishmaya and Baruch Hashem. He, uh, you know, he got his dream. But that's a that's a classic. No one, normal people, just I'm not doing that. That's crazy. You know, you don't. They, they literally thought he was crazy. Literally thought you're going b'say chayam. You're walking into the yam, and it's not going to turn dry. But he he showed that it could be done, and he goes down history. Well, you don't know the names of the people that said don't do it, but you do. You happen to know his name because it's on it's on the building. I, I want to tell you that's one I think very important musr to just remember for the rest of your life. Right now, might not be nagaya, but sometime you'll in the future you'll maybe be presented with opportunities, or you'll. You'll be the one presenting the opportunity to other people. Hey, I just found a, a new city, and like all the Jewish places are all so expensive, I can't afford to buy in any established Jewish community. Let's buy in this in this city. I just saw it. And it's like a great, 
great place to move. We'll get like 10 guys. We'll go. We'll start a shul. We'll get a rubble. And, you know, you could do it. And you will be, it will be to your eternal credit that you founded this community. It's not going to be easy, but it'll be b'seich hayam, but there's going to be abashi. You'll be the Nachman Aminad of jumping in, and everybody else will be following you, and they'll already, by then, already be b'seich by abasha, b'seich hayam. I want to tell you one other amazing vart that I heard once. I don't I think it's a Hasidish Rebbe that said, I don't remember which one. But the vart goes like this. In terms of the stira between or So this Rebbe said like this, it's a Gavala Gavart. It's also tremendous. From this same puzzle, we're learning two very, very important things tonight. Sometimes in life, you think that you're Besei Chayam. You think that you're drowning. You ever have that feeling like, Everything is crazy in, in my life. I don't know what I'm doing, and nothing seems to be going right, and everything is like, everything's falling apart, all my plans and all this and that, and like, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, I'm like drowning. You feel like you're drowning. You feel like everything is, is nuts in your life. Anyone ever have that? Yeah. Okay. okay, good. So uh, I think most of us, if not all of us, have had those experiences, whatever, you know, we feel very vulnerable and very uncomfortable and very upset and we're like nervous and, and we feel like everything is, is like off the charts insane. We feel that we're b'seich chayam, but we don't realize that we're really b'yabasha. We're on dry land. This is all part of Hashem's master plan for us. It's not easy to see because right now, today, it seems like it's so crazy that there is no way out. It doesn't make any sense. And, and I'm really, really mad at Hashem and I'm really mad at life. And, and I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. How am I going to get out of this situation? And then later on, you're going to see, Mitz Hashem, with, uh, you know, in retrospect, that really you were on dry land. You just didn't realize it. This was dry land. This was a good thing for you. What you're going through, what you're experiencing was actually the best thing for you because of whatever reason. We, we, there are so many stories that, you know, that show this. I remember I, live, I grew up in Long Beach and um, there was a girl that was like, lived in my neighborhood and she had a job working for a law firm. She was a lawyer. She had a very good job working in a very prestigious law firm. And on Friday, on a Friday, on Erev Shabbos, she was fired, just very unceremoniously. You know, the way they fire you at these uh, these law firms, they basically tell you you're fired. And then they have like a, a guard walk you to your office with like a cardboard box and you could take under their hashkacha, you know, your private stuff. They don't want you photocopying any of the legal documents. They don't want you stealing clients, stealing secrets, stealing cases, whatever they want. You just take, you get to take your, you know, your personal stuff, and that's it. Goodbye, l'chaim l'shalom. And she was very upset, as you can imagine. Like, this, this was, uh, you know, this was like the worst thing that could happen to her. She was mamish she was like drowning that whole Shabbos. She was going absolutely crazy because 
you know, how did you do this to me, Hashem? I, I needed this job, I wanted this job, and my dream job, and you know, now, and I got fired, how's it going to look on my resume, no one's ever going to hire me, etc., etc. P.S., her job was in the, in the World Trade Center, it was early September 2001, and that Monday, I think it was, two planes went into the World Trade Center, and her whole office was killed, was killed that two days later, she would have been dead. She was very prompt. She came on time early in the morning, every day. And that's just one story that comes on. There's a million of these stories, right? We know these Ashkachas Prata stories. She was Bisei Chayam. She thought she was drowning in a sea. But really, she was Bayah Basha. She was on dry land. Just, you don't realize sometimes when you're, in, when you're drowning that you're really on dry land, that Hashem has a plan. We get very crazy. We get very nervous. And, and that's very human. It's human to do that. You know, it's to be expected. It's not a big time on us. But it's good to remember that when we are in those terrible matzavim, that we're really Bayah Basha. Baruch has a plan, and we're on dry land. We just don't realize it. The flip side is that sometimes we're be'abasha, but we're, we're really be'sechayam, which is meaning to say that a lot of times we feel the opposite. We feel we're on top of our game. Everything is perfect for us. You know, we're doing well in, in, in this and we're successful in that. And we have this and we have that. We have everything going for us. We have very, we're very confident. We get arrogant. And smug about our situation in life. We're Bayah Basha. No one could take us down. And then before you know it, you realize that you were, you're not really Bayah Basha, you're Life turns around very quickly. And people that today are feel like they're Bayah Basha, tomorrow or even this, or later this evening could be Rahman Watslan, uh, Happens all the time. You know, people are very wealthy and all of a sudden, Something happens and they lose all their money. Some people are, uh, you know, are, everything is good. They have a, you know, I don't know, they have a, a beautiful family and all of a sudden somebody gets sick and everything gets turned on its face. So you have to appreciate when you're on Yabasha that you're on you. Don't take it for granted. When things are bad for you, know that today I'm Besechayim, but really I'm by Yabasha. This is all from Hashem. Hashem has a plan. And when you're on the Abasha, when things are going good for you, appreciate that you're on dry land. Appreciate it. Thank Hashem. Do not take anything for granted. Do not assume that, you know, this is going to last forever. Every day is a gift. If you have health, if you have family, if you have money, if you have, uh, uh, you know, every gift that you have, appreciate it and understand that it's not a given. It's not a given. That what I have today is not, I'm not a muhsuk in anything in life. I don't necessarily have anything that I think I have. And because the, there's a galgal, hachaizer, life is like a wheel that turns. And today you could be on the top and tomorrow you could be on the bottom, which means you have to be very, very careful to always do the right thing. Be nice to people. If there are people that are asking you for tzedakah and you have tzedakah money to give, then give it. Don't like start you know, don't ignore them and certainly don't be mean to them. I never understand that people, like, sometimes you see people in shul um, and they start screaming at, like, the mishulachim, what are you doing in here? Get out of here. You have no right to collect this davening. All these tainas, they get so, like, righteous. 
And I'm thinking to myself, how do you, how do you have the, the confidence that that's not going to be you someday? Do you want somebody, if chas v'shalom, the wheel turns, and now you have to, collect, do you want people screaming at you? Like, where, you think you were born, you think these, I have somebody that comes to my house to collect, and he was, at one point, a very, very successful businessman in Eretz Yisrael. He owned, like, the largest jewelry company in Yerushalayim. You could tell that, he's, that the story is legit, because you could see, you know, sometimes you see, like, you see he's still... He carries himself like a Spitz businessman, but he, he lost everything. He literally lost everything. He lost his whole business, and his wife divorced him. And his kids, he has a terrible tsarist, but he, he was on top of the world. He was literally selling. He showed me rings like he would sell for $150,000. He had the, in hotels in Yerushalayim, he owned very big jewelry uh, stores there. And, um, and he just lost everything, and now he's going collecting. And he's trying to get himself back on his feet or whatever, but like it happens. You don't never assume that because things are going well for you that it's going to last forever. It could be in business. It could be a you know a doctor who like all of a sudden gets sued for malpractice and loses everything. Or everything in life is very very fluid. And so when you're bayavasha, appreciate it. Be nice to everybody. Be nice to people that are that are that are poor, people that are sick, people that are are because and, and and consider yourself like there, but for the grace of God, go I. I could be in that same situation, and if you're always feeling that appreciative that you're on the abasha, then that itself will stop you from being b'seichayim. But if you're just thinking that you're naturally born in the in the on the abasha, and that's your God-given gift that you know that, and you'll never be pushed off the abasha. It's a dangerous assumption because a lot of people thought that, and they're not. So when you're again, when you're b'say chayam, have emuna bitachin the rebbeinu that you could very easily really be on the abasha. You just don't realize it. And thank God for the situation that you're in, and try to get out of it. But know that there is a way out, and maybe you're already in the way out. And then, if you're in the on the abasha, if you're on the dryland, you're zeicher to be in a nice, warm house, and you have money in the bank, and you have health, and you have a family. Then come home every day, kiss them as those on your way in, and say Baruch Hashem that I have this, and I don't take it for granted for a second. Because if you start taking it for granted, then Rahman really, you feel like you're so entitled to the Abasha, and then he could throw you Chayam. So these are two very, very important uh that we learned again to be a a Nachman Aminadav in life when it makes sense, when the circumstances seem to point in the direction that you feel you wanna be a pioneer and jump into a venture or jump into a initiative or an organization, a project then do it because that is what leaders do and don't wait for other people to pave the way but you be the one to pave the way for others and also when things are good appreciate it when things are bad know that this might be the greatest blessing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us but he disguises it and he's testing our bitach and he's testing our amun in him but ultimately we'll see in retrospect if we just give it time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually was giving me the greatest favor, doing the greatest favor for me, putting me in that situation, even though it seemed like it was the worst, but really that was the best thing for me.